These women who came to me screaming in my face, some of them we ended up sitting down on the curb. They're crying to me. They're hugging me. I end up giving them post-abortion resources and we leave like friendly. Hey, I'm Shay. And I'm Michelle. And you're listening to the Pantry Podcast. We're serving up Jesus, not junk food, for followers of Christ who don't want to just exist, but be challenged, sifted, and changed by the Word of God. And this is Season 10, Go and Tell. And we're digging into the first half of the Great Commission to embolden you to share God's Word during these tumultuous times. Join us and friends from 77 countries as we feast on spiritual nutrition. You can even be a partner that keeps the show going. Support the show at patreon.com slash thepantrypodcast. Now let's dig into the meal. Hey, what's up? Hello. I'll tell you what, it is awesome to be here. And you know what, today we're going to really just jump right in because, you know, normally we sit here and we kind of banter a little bit and go back and forth in some verses. But really, as we're sitting here today and we're asking this question, how do we grow in boldness and love to reach hardened hearts that we doubt will come to the gospel? That's a tough one. That is a tough one. And you know, and we're going to narrow it down just a little bit more um, because of everything that's going on right now in the world, everything that's happened in the last few weeks, it's been crazy. Man, I'm telling you, Twitter's been blown out. Facebook's been blown Well, Facebook won't even talk about it. But anyways, <laughs> we'll leave it there. But everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere that allows out. people to at least have a conversation yeah. definitely lets it, let it be out there. But here it is, Psalms 139. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And that is where we're at today. We're going to be hitting the abortion issue today. Um, um, pro, pro-life for sure on our side. And so we're going to get into it, see how we can go and tell. Yeah. So today we have the honor of having Abby Johnson on. Now, Abby Johnson, if you don't know her story, I'm going to give you the super short version. She used to work at Planned Parenthood. She was moving herself up the ranks, but things just kept nagging at her. And then one day she witnessed a 13 week old baby fighting for its life on the ultrasound. And that was pretty much the end of it. So when she left Planned Parenthood, she started a ministry, you know, long story short. And then there were none that reaches out to current Planned Parenthood uh, nurses and staff trying to get them as well as other arms of this ministry like pro love and and other things where they're trying to help the pregnancies that are in crisis and just pregnancies in general to help show there is an alternative. She's written the book Unplanned. She's the founder of and then there were none, as I said, and she's always, you know, doing the dirty work of being mm. around hardened hearts. So welcome, Abby. It's awesome to have yeah, you. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, we're we're excited. We are excited to have you because I think that that is one of the biggest struggles is not just going out. We live right outside D.C. And, you know, you can you've been here. You get it. And so hardened hearts are everywhere. So one of the first things that I wanted to ask is how do we like, you know, just right off the bat, how do we get through to hardened hearts or are we just looking for people you know, in a time like this with Roe v. Wade and and all of these things going back to the states, there's a lot of vitriol. There's a lot of rage. Um, Are we looking for people who just seem different or are you going straight for those who who seem enraged, who seem upset and troubled by what's going on? We have to be different. Right. Mm. Okay. So I think that's that is the the most important answer to that question is that in order to change a heart, we have to look different. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people fight vitriol with vitriol. Mm, right. Right. That 
I will go ahead and say 100% of the time doesn't work. <laughs> okay. Right, so, right, right. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and, and just throw that statistic out there. Okay. Right. <laughs> like 100% right. of the time that will not work. So people say that all the time. Like, oh, if you're Christian, you know, you need to, you need to look different, but like really you, you have to look different. If mm. you're, if your mission in life, if your calling in life is to change culture, then you must look different to the culture, right? So it doesn't mean that everything is going to be like rainbows and giggles, okay? Right. It doesn't mean that you don't confront the culture with hard truth, okay? It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you don't speak hard truths. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't have confrontation, Okay, that's not that's not what it means. But it means that Jesus is so a part of your life that when you do that, when you confront, when you speak hard truths, it looks different. Right. Then then when people other people in the world uh speak hard truths and it looks ugly right. right? because when you have Jesus in you and you speak hard truths, it still looks like love. Right. And, and so I think that's, that's sort of the primary thing. Right. I think a lot of, I think also too, when you are confronting this culture, this really godless culture that we live in right now, we have to also have a lot of, humility. And that was something that I had to learn uh, in a really difficult way. Uh, You know, when I left Planned Parenthood, I was like, I need to end abortion. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Because I participated in so much abortion. I've got 22,000 dead babies on my conscience that I, you know, I helped to facilitate over 22,000 abortions. So I need Abby Johnson needs to end abortion. Mm. And so, you know, I confronted this this abortion culture head on. And in that in doing so, I neglected my God given vocation as Mm. wife and mother. So I was doing good, godly things right Mm. by going out and spreading the gospel by going out and speaking about pro-life things by going out on the speaking circuit, by going out and doing media and doing good things that I felt like God was compelling me to do. Right. But I was neglecting my own family. I was neglecting my husband. My vocation is not to be a pro-life speaker. Right. 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 It's good. And it's God ordained, but that's not my vocation. My vocation is to be a wife and a mother, mm-hmm. right? And I think sometimes, but but the reasoning in my head was, oh, but if I if I don't do this interview, I may miss an opportunity to save a life. 
Right. Mm. If I don't do this speaking event, oh, there might be somebody in the crowd, though, that's considering an abortion. Mm. And and my talk may save that baby. So I have to do it. See, and that's denying the power of God. And that's giving me the power. And so I think that we all have to really understand that what we are trying to do in our culture is not a me-sized effort. It's a God-sized effort. Mm. So we have to really understand what is our vocation sink into that vocation, not neglect who God has created us to be, right. not sacrifice those around us. Let God be God, right? Mm-hmm. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let Jesus be Jesus, right? And then go out when we're compelled spread God's truth, spread the gospel, and then, you know, plant those seeds of truth in the lives of others. And then let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. Amen. It's not my job to convince the culture that abortion is wrong. Right. 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 It's not my job to bring every person on earth to Christ. It's not my job to convince everybody that traditional marriage is right. Right. That's not my job. It is my job to simply speak God's truth mm-hmm. wherever I go. Right. And then I let God be God. Mm, I like that. And, and that was something that I, I really had to learn that humility. I really had to humble myself before the Lord. And I think that's something that all of us who are, who are very consumed by the Lord um, and consumed by changing the culture for the Lord I think that we all could have a tendency to get caught up. Right. You know, to get caught in that trap too. And so I think we have to be careful. Oh, absolutely. You know, as you're sitting here talking, it's like this, this verse has just been coming to me nonstop over the last, I don't know, because I'm going through these sifts too. You know, you go through that sift and you're on, you, I got to scroll past things. It's yeah. like, okay, you, you should choo, 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 cause we're not all of us are on that big stage, you know, and we're not all out there getting all these speaking engagements, but the people that we talk to, the people who come on our show or listen to our show are the people who would be on social media or who would be in, you know, these, these different platforms. Right. And sometimes what you're saying here, and it's beautiful. I love it because I've had to come to this. They don't understand. Right. Like, like our position in, in the kingdom, they don't understand our ambassadorship. They mm-hmm. don't understand these things. And first Corinthians two fourteen really says that, but the natural man does not receive the things of yeah. the spirit of God for they are foolish to him, nor can we know them because they're, they can't know them because they're not spiritually discerned. Mm-hmm. They don't have this discernment. I love hearing you say this because I think sometimes we just got, we think, man, how many times we sat there and we're like, I got to answer that one. I got to hit this one. I got to say this mm-hmm. one. And, and you got to put that aside and just yeah. say, you know what? Maybe I just share the gospel. Maybe I just share the message. And I love what you're saying. Your vocation. What is God calling you to do? Are you listening to what he's saying? 
Yeah, no, I think that was like a huge takeaway for people yeah. who are listening that this is something it's there's a never ending job if you look at it like mm. that. Like there's always someone else to reach. There's always a maybe an, a what if if you turn something down. And it's very important when you do get that fire in you to want to contribute and serve God and give him glory that you realize He's given you other things that also bring him glory, like being there for your kids, raising them up to be powerhouses for the Lord, like, you know, being there for your husband, being there for your wife. If you're a man, you know, I think that that's all very valuable stuff to consider, even when you're focusing on such red letter issues. Yeah. I think that, well, that's that's the thing. Like I, I just realized, like I started to realize like when I'd be like, Ooh, I gotta, I gotta go to that speaking event. Cause what if there's a woman in crisis there? Right. And I'm like, right. Oh, Abby, shut up. Like (laughs) if it's not me, God will bring somebody else into the life of that woman. Right. 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 Like it's not just me. I'm not the only person that yes. can change the heart of a woman right, in right. crisis. Like, right. I'm not that big of a deal, right? Mm. <laughs> God's a way bigger deal than I am, you know? Amen. Like, right. sit down, you know? Like, right. so I just, I just think that's it. And I think that one of the, you know, I have, I have moms come to me all the time. Moms that are, mm. you know, stay-at-home moms, stuff like that. And even stay-at-home dad. My, my husband's stay-at-home dad. And there's more and more of that. And people come to me and they're like... I want to like I want to do more I like I'm not I don't feel like I'm doing enough what what can I do you know and I'm like dude you're doing it right like (laughs) you're you're doing it you are raising your children to be warriors Mm, for the Lord like you're doing it you're actually doing more than I'm doing like I'm standing on a stage but man like you're doing the real work like Mm. you're doing the hard work like I my husband works way harder than I do. Like, it's easy for me to go up and stand on a stage for an hour, like talk to people and then go sit down and get on a plane. Right. Right. But my husband every day with our eight kids is actually molding them and shaping them to be warriors and defenders of the gospel. Mm. Right. That's way harder doing that 24 right. hours a day than what I'm doing. Like flying That's in like and out of cities. the parable of the talents. <laughs> right? That's like, like, you know, God entrusted you this. It's like the two of y'all powerhouses already. Now there's eight. <laughs> That's right. So I'm just like, don't, I don't ever want a mom or a dad who stays at home, like building up the culture of life in their home to think, mm. I'm not doing enough. Like I need to do. Right. No, like you're, do, you are living out the vocation that God has called you to do. That's yes. always enough. Yes. That is always enough. Yes. I, I like that because, you know, we sit there and we think about like we look the, the verses, train up your child, mm-hmm. right? Tra- train up your child in the in, in the way they should go. Um, I was thinking about that today and it's like train them up in the way they, they should go. And then later on, they'll come, you know, they'll come to it. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's like, wait, are we training up in Yahweh? I kind of I'm, I'm, I'm sharing something here, but do we train them up in Yahweh or do we train them up in our own way? Yeah. See, where does where does where does culture change? Culture changes changes in the home. Yep. So so the more that we like you guys, man, I love this. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing this. Like build up your children. That's awesome because that is where it changes. We might never change the mind of that person sitting across from us. Yep. But what about our children and their children and, and these generations? How have we gotten to the point to where we've gotten because we took Christ out of the home? Mm-hmm. We took the vocation out of the home. 
and and man, I'm listening to you. So so then as we as we're moving forward yeah. in this, right? Because because I mean, this is good stuff, really good stuff. But for the person who sits there and maybe they have been called or a vocation comes upon them, and it's kind of like that fearfulness, that that like. <gasps> Well, how do I even start? You know, um, like how do we counter our drives to steer clear of those we think are most likely to reject us and who seem to uh, who seem so opposite of us? So how do we do that? How do we approach that that group? Because you said it earlier. You said, well, we have to approach it in love. We have to approach it like Christians. And that's something we can sit here and speak all day. Mm -hmm. But is there an example to this that maybe you have that that can show people kind of unpack it and see what you're talking about when you're talking about approaching people and having the boldness to do it? So, okay. So I think the best example is to look to scripture, right? Mm -hmm. So when Jesus, (laughs) when people ask Jesus a question, like, how did he pretty much always respond with a question, which right. had to be like super annoying. Right. But like, right. <laughs> they're like, we just want an answer, Jesus. Come on. But like, he almost always responded to a question with a question. And I think that's what I have found in my life. That's actually like the best way to respond to people because it gets you listening mm-hmm. to them. So in 2017, after Trump was elected and people were super, super mad about it, right? Like liberals mm-hmm. were super mad and the women, these women were super mad, right? And they had the women's march. Right. And I went with a friend of mine, not because I supported what they were doing, but I felt like right. if there are pro-abortion voices there, then pro-life voices need to be there too. Now, right. I didn't go to protest. There were pro-life groups that were there to protest. I actually went to just go have conversations right. with yeah. people, Okay. So I went and and uh, I I held up a sign. I can't remember what it said, but something about violence in the womb or I, I don't know something. I can't remember what it said. Anyway, and uh, I had all these women coming up to me. They were whispering to me, and they were like, "Hey, I totally support you, right?" Or they're like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm with you, right?" Mm. And then I had some women that came up to me that were like, you don't belong here. Pro-lifers don't belong here. Blah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I took the opportunity to say, oh, I'm like, I'm sorry you think that I'm totally for women. Like I could, could we talk about that? Like, could we talk about why you think that? Mm -hmm. And like eight times out of 10, they were like, Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were totally like disarmed by it. Right. Cause they yeah. expected me to be like, Oh yeah. Well, screw you. I'm going to be here anyway. Right. Like they right. expected me to yell back at them. Right. But mm-hmm. I didn't, I was like, Oh, well I would love to hear your story. And so I ended up like asking them like questions just like, Oh, well, do you have an abortion story? I would love, I would love to hear it. And all of them, I'm telling you, 100% of them that talked to me had had an abortion, which mm-hmm. I have too. And so they, when they would tell me like, oh, well, I've had, you know, I've had an abortion and they seemed really proud of it when they, when they told me, right? So my answer to them was always, I'm, I'm really sorry you felt like that was your only option at the time. That was very disarming to them. Mm. Because a lot of them said, oh, well, 
well, it's, it's okay. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with my decision or some of them said, oh yeah, well it, it was a hard time for me at that time. Then I would say to them, well, do you feel like you wouldn't have chosen abortion if you would have had more resources available to you? Like, can you tell me what was going on in your life at that time? Like what made you feel like abortion was the best decision? So I'm not kidding, guys. I just stood there mm. and just asked questions. Right. And they were like so just completely taken aback by that. Mm-hmm. And I had so many good conversations, like heartfelt conversations with these women. And I was like, by the end of it, I was like, you know, I, I would tell them like, yeah, I, you know, I had two abortions too. And, and that was like the weakest moments of my life. Like, I wish I would have made a different decision. And I was like, you know, do you ever wish you would have made a different decision? Mm. And I'm telling you, a lot of them were like, yeah, sometimes I think about that baby. Right. Some of them ended up crying. We ended up hugging at the end of it. I ended up giving them, you know, post-abortion resources. Right. And we ended up leaving amicably. These women who came to me screaming in my face. Some of them, we ended up sitting down on the curb. They're crying to me. They're hugging me. I end up giving them post-abortion resources and we leave like friendly. Mm -hmm. Right. But it, it wasn't because I was, I was going, well, don't you know that abortion is killing a baby? Well, I'm so sorry that you killed your baby. Right. Right. It wasn't that. It just wanted to hear them. I wanted to listen to them because Mm -hmm. the reality is that we're living in a very wounded culture. Mm. Right. It's the exact, exact same thing I find with the LGBT culture. Right. So we had uh, a gay couple, homosexual couple who came to us at our ministry. Both of them were working in an abortion industry and an abortion affiliate. They were both IT guys. They were in a couple. They called us at the hotline and said, will you help us um, even though we're gay? And we were like, of course, right? right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. first of all, I'll help you. Oh, yeah. It came to us. After talking with them, going through our counseling process, everything, they had both been very seriously sexually abused as children, which is what we really find to be true almost 100% of the time in the LGBT culture. We ended up, uh, they wanted to start going to church. Hmm. So we said, okay, well, we don't want to send them to a a church that's going to affirm them, right? Like a, like a, you know, rainbow flag waving church, right? Right, right. We want to send them to a church that's, that is uh, going to love them, but not like browbeat them, Right. right? But love them into truth. So we found a church. The pastor was beautiful. Very, he was just very kind and was like, you know, we don't believe in gay marriage, but we want to love them. Right. Right. We send them there, uh, you know, get them into, uh, they had a a really great, uh, 
uh, group that they they ran there. Anyway, one of the guys uh, got into counseling full time. They ended up breaking up their relationship Mm. because a lot of the trauma was manifesting itself in the relationship. Right. Mm. And they realized this is a really unhealthy relationship. One of the guys was like, you know what? Became very convicted by the Lord and was like, I don't want to live this way anymore. Right. And so he was like, I, I recognize that I'm still working on my same sex attraction. I want the Lord to remove that from me, but I'm going to live chaste mm. until he does that. Mm-hmm. Now, the other guy is in another homosexual relationship and we're praying that the Lord, you know, removes that from his life. But what if we had said no? Right. Mm. Right. What if we had said, nah, we're we don't deal with those kind of sinners here. Right. Right. Like we would have missed that opportunity to minister to those two men and and the man that is now walking with the Lord, living with the Lord. We could have missed that opportunity for his salvation. Mm. And so we never stop speaking truth into his life. We never stop sharing the gospel with him. We continue to share the gospel with the other man. We still have contact with him. Mm-hmm. So we never stop speaking God's truth, right? But we don't want to be like a clanging gong, right? Mm-hmm. We want to love them and we want to mm-hmm. find out the why. And I think in Christian culture, sometimes we're not doing enough listening. Right. We're not finding out the why, why of our, the why behind our sin, because there usually is a why. I think personal interaction is very important. I think we miss a lot when we're doing it through text or we're doing it through, you know, we got to break the conversations out to where we can actually sit there and ask the questions. Um, You might not even like the answer to the questions. It's like, I I see that too. I see sometimes people start with a question and then they get frustrated in the conversation and they just stop questioning. I don't know how many times they, and they go into like, then they go into the attack. It's like, um, well, let me tell you something right now. Yeah. You're not going to (laughs) have, you're not going to change somebody's opinion on Facebook. Right. Right. I mean, people that are just like scrolling through Facebook, looking for an argument, just stop. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to have this breakthrough moment with somebody on Facebook. Just stop it. Mm -hmm. Like these social media warriors, these keyboard Mm. warriors that are on social media, all you're doing is making Christians look bad. Like literally that's all you're doing. You know, people forget somehow that they are an ambassador of Christ everywhere they go, even on social media. Okay. Like when you are going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in like a 436 comment (laughs) argument with somebody on social media, a hundred percent of the time, you are not saving anybody's soul. Right. Like right. you're losing that soul. Right. You may win that argument, but you are going to lose that soul. And that is not what we are supposed to be doing as Christians. So my rule all the time on social media, sometimes people tag me all the time. People will tag me in something. They're like, I need you to, I need you to drop some truth here. You know, on, right, on my cousin, right, or I need right, you to drop right. some truth here on my sister. I need you to drop some truth here on this video. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like I'll go 
to that comment or I'll go to this video and I will share my story or I will share the truth or I will share something about Jesus or I will share something. Right. And I share that. And then I walk away. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? right. I share it. I, I pray about it before I share. I share what the Holy Spirit wants me to share. And then I walk away and I don't care if 650 people comment under what I say. I don't care if a thousand people come under there and they're like, you're an idiot, Abby Johns. I don't care. Okay. Right. Because I prayed about it. I posted what the Holy Spirit wanted me to post and I walked away. I never even go look at what people respond to what I say. I don't care. I literally don't care. I love it. Right. Mm -hmm. Love it. I just post that truth. I post a little truth bomb and I walk away Mm -hmm. and more people need to do that. More people need to post God's truth and walk away. And Mm -hmm. stop getting into these arguments because it is not going to make a bit of difference Mm. when it comes to changing people's minds. Praise praise God. If anything, it helps harden the hearts. Like like over and over in the word, it warns us that we're supposed to correct believers. You can't expect the world to follow what the Bible says because they don't have the Bible. It warns us not to get in arguments and quabble over words and quabble over philosophies. Yet that's where we fall over and over. And then the biggest one is it says we don't war against flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. And what does God show over and over is his weapon of choice, love, Mm -hmm. kindness. It says that we are drawn to him by God's loving kindness. And yet we come out thinking that our words can be that dagger if we're just rude, cruel, have more stats, have more facts, have more sass, we can just come in, beat people up a little bit and leave. That just polarizes them to the other side even more. Whereas what you're doing, loving people, even other Christians that don't know better will laugh at you or tell you you're not a real Christian because you're not beating the truth into them. Mm. But what over and over in your stories, you're disarming people with this love, with this kindness. That's the kind of thing. Love and kindness haunt people mm-hmm. a lot more than your rudeness does. Yeah. Because that's going to stick with them. And, and I'm, I, I love this. And, I, you know, you've. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, want, just oh, yeah, because yeah. I'm going to take this from the man's perspective. Like, yeah. so. My wife and I, if we get an argument, you know what disarms me the fastest? If she comes back at me, <laughs> like it's then it's like full on. I mean, okay, not saying that's what we do, but it's like that creates that tension. When I am tension, rude, right? it doesn't help. But when she, but when someone sits there and says, "Man, that hurt," or "Wait, let me do this," and three three things that I'm seeing here, or maybe three, maybe two, but first thing she said was she prays. Mm-hmm. You pray. I pray about it. Right now, then people go to the verse that says, but we're supposed to expose darkness. OK, she prayed about it. She dropped in some some knowledge of Christ. Right. There's the exposure. And then she didn't quabble. Mm-hmm. And she walked away. Yeah. And that's beautiful, Abby. I, I really love what you're saying in all of this. Yeah. The, the last thing that we really wanted to make sure that we cover, because we know that your time is limited. Um is this idea, and you touched on it already, what can churches and ministries, we already saw what your ministry did, just love and accept people. But I think with hardened hearts, it's both about prepping your your congregation and just helping them understand these simple truths. Like these are not demons you're fighting, you're, you're, you're talking to human beings that have been hurt, that might be under the influence right. of demons that are you know, beating them up, but they need deliverance from that. They don't need hellfire for that. Um, but what additional things have you seen that churches are doing a beautiful job of and other churches can learn and do more of that that helps disarm and love 
and inspire and embolden people to go do the same in their daily life? So I can tell you what our church does. I mean, um, you know, of course, I'm head of the pro-life committee at my church, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, but, you know, one of the things I wanted to do in our church was, you know, I really wanted to create a culture of life at our mm-hmm. church, right? I just wanted it to be a part of the everyday, right, right. at our church. So, I mean, yeah, like I want our pastor, you know, every once in a while to talk about abortion in his sermon. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I do want that. I do expect that of him. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I want him to talk about, you know, forgiveness for the post-abortive woman. Yeah. I, of of course I want him to do that. Right. Right. But recognizing that the woman or man or whoever that maybe needs to hear that may not be there that Sunday that he talks about it. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's more than just a like few times a year sort of thing. I want to do it every Sunday. I want, you know, every Sunday, every time somebody comes into the church to feel that culture of life in, in our church. Right. Mm. So we started doing a few things to sort of just aim for that. Um, So, you know, we are, we're a church that uh, supports, our local pregnancy center Mm -hmm. and we make that very well known. So we do supply drives, you know, a few times a year for our pregnancy center. So in our foyer, you know, we'll do a supply drive and it's like Mm. you come, you know, for those few weeks and it's just like a like diaper explosion, (laughs) you know, like formula explosion, you know, diaper wipes explode car seats everywhere. You know, it's just like, so people that come in, if they're visiting, they walk in, they're like, what the heck is going on? You know, and then mm-hmm. we make an announcement. It's in the bulletin. Right. It's on our website right. Like we're supporting, you know, this pregnancy center because we love life. Right? right. And we love what this pregnancy right. center is doing. Um, and so it's just part of the culture. Right. Yeah. Um, another thing that we did that was like, it's like a small thing, but I just really wanted to do it. Um, we got like a little shelving and drawer unit. And we put it in the men and women's bathrooms. You know, we already have the koala table, you know, changing table yeah. thing. But we got this little unit and we just always have it stocked with diapers and wipes. And we just put a little, you know, laminated paper thing up above it. You know, that's like, hey, diapers and wipes are always available. They're always stocked here. Mm. We love babies. We love families. Right. Like, please bring your baby here. Don't worry about bringing diapers. We've got you covered. We've got your baby's butt covered. You know, like, (laughs) you know, we just, right. We, we want people to know that we love them. Right. Like we love your kids, bring them here. Right. 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 Um, if they have a blowout, don't worry about it. We got diapers, you know, (laughs) so it was just like a little thing that we did that, that families really like. Yeah. Um, cause I am always the person that forgets the diaper bag. So I, that I would have appreciated <laughs> that when I had little ones in diapers. Um, right. and then we also started a, um, every six months we do a healing service, like a vigil mm-hmm. that's community wide. It's open to the community and it is a healing service for anyone who has lost a child. It's for pregnancy mm-hmm. loss. So miscarriage, stillbirth, uh, abortion, And we have a candlelight vigil service open to anyone. And that's been just really, really beautiful. Very healing for the women in our community. It shows that we value life in the womb. 
We believe that life begins in the womb. Um, you know, we announce it. It creates that culture of life mm. in your church. We also, every single week, whoever's saying the prayer, you know, whether it's offertory prayer, closing prayer, whatever it is, we pray for an end to abortion. We pray mm. for... Oh, there's my kid. We pray. <laughs> one of them. We pray for uh, those who have experienced abortion to find healing in Christ. Mm. We pray for our culture to value the sanctity of human life. Every single Sunday, those mm. things are prayed for out loud for the entire congregation to hear. Right. Not condemning because we pray for healing. Right. 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 Not condemning. People know that they are loved there, whether they've had an abortion or not. But those are just little things just to, you know, create that culture that we love babies. We love moms. Right. right? right. We love right. families. And let me tell you something. Since we have started doing those little things, our church, and I don't know if it's because of that. I don't know what it is. OK, but I believe the Lord is blessing our congregation significantly our church is now the ratio of children to adults mm. at our church is four to one there are four children for every Ooh. one adult at our church Crazy. wow wow the families that are coming there are pouring in large families are coming to mm. our church the lord is doing something significant yes in our congregation because people know that this is a church that loves life nobody in our church if your kids start screaming nobody is going to turn around and be like can you shut that kid up right, right. Mm -hmm. our church is loud we don't have a nursery. We don't have children's church. The kids sit in the service with us. They mm. listen to the word of God. They learn to sit in church. They sit with their parents the whole time. They they hear the pastor. They hear everything mm. that's going on in the church. They, you know, they hear scripture read. It is a thriving church. We do not separate children from their parents during the church right. service. And I'm telling you, God is doing something in our church. And I believe it is because we have been consistent yes. about believing and upholding the sanctity of human life in our church. Mm. Amen. Amen. No, Amen. that's that's beautiful. And I, I see that when love is used, when the things that really grieve you righteously when instead of going out there and fighting with your fists and your words, like angry words, you turn around and you're like, how can I love the people that are falling into this? Mm -hmm. How can I love them out of it? That's when the churches are blessed. That's when individual lives are changed. And yeah. so and, that's and I, amazing. And I would say that goes across the board for anything. Everything. Yeah. Um, you know, we do evangelism out in Silver Spring. We're in a, a culture that rejects us yeah. that doesn't want us that that you know we've gone to the point where we've hold up free prayer signs which again we get the same thing you get we get people walk by with little thumbs up and yeah <laughs> and, and, and was they're like huh? yeah they're like yeah 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 we got you we got you but we don't want to show you but thumbs up like the quickest nod like the right. a wink and you're but, like cool thanks but how, how have we reached more people how do we reach more people how have you reached more people the thing i keep hearing over and over again is have an ear to hear mm -hmm. you know that 
we hear the Bible say, have an ear to hear what the spirit is saying. Why can't we have that also have that ear? You know, be slow yeah. to, you know, quick to hear. Oh my right. gosh, wait, is there a verse on this? Oh, hold up. Quick to hear and slow to speak? No, there, that can't be that it. That can't be right. No way. In what other will words, I tweet if I'm... <laughs> what yeah. will I tweet? So I, I love I love the message. I love life. Um, man, it was awesome even hearing your kid come in. The Pantry yeah. Podcast loves kids too. Yes. Uh, our you church loves I kids too. It's cool. I think we need to cool. be doing more of praying for each other too. Yes. Yes. Even, even yes. just opening up the lines on social media every once in a while. And look, I got 400,000 people on my Facebook. Okay, right. so Right. But Ooh. every once in a while, I will just come in. I'll say, okay, Lord, today's the day. I'm praying mm. for the people on my page. Mm-hmm. And right. so I'll make a prayer request. I'll put out, a, I mean, I'll put out a prayer, uh, you know, just a, a, a post that says, hey, I want to pray for you today. And I commit my entire day mm. to praying for the people like on That's my page. Beautiful. And I'll have thousands and thousands of prayer requests. Right. Right. And right. I, and I commit all day to just yeah. every, ev- I go through every single one and I pray for every single person by name. Mm. I think we need more of that. Right. We, it creates community mm-hmm. within believers. We need more community. We need more fellowship with one another. Yes. You know, this recent, you know, stupid pandemic created a lot of isolation. Mm-hmm. We need to be fellowshipping with believers. Mm. You know, people who say that a church body isn't important, that's baloney. Mm. You know, I believe there's, you know, uh, we need to be praying every day. We need to be reading our Bible every There's three things that every Christian needs to be doing. We need to be praying every day. We need to be reading in our, our Bible every single day. And we need to be fellowshipping with other believers. Mm, mm-hmm. amen. And, and that's one thing that's really important for our kids too. You know, a lot of parents, they're like, oh, we got to teach our kids all these social issues, you know, from very young age. You know what you need to be doing with your kids? Getting them in the word of God. Amen. Mm. You know, more importantly than teaching them about abortion when they're five years old, Teach them what, what the Bible says about the sanctity yeah. of human life when they're, mm-hmm. when they're five years old, right. right? Get them in the word of God. If you get them in the word of God when they're young and they understand scripture from when they're little, right? From when they're toddlers and they understand the word of God, then when they get to be 10, 11, 12 years old and they're confronted with abortion, mm-hmm. they won't fall for it. Right. Because the word of God will be so imprinted in their mind and in their heart they will reject the things of the world. Mm. So that's, you know, that's do Bible studies with your kids yeah. as a family. In fact, I just got, I just got it today, actually. Um, Bible said we get Bible studies from, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called not consumed. Mm. Yeah. I've and uh, we just got one today that we're doing as a family. Uh, we do them as a family. This one's called fruit of the tongue because uh, my kids need to be taming their tongue, okay, uh, with each other. And then uh, we got another one that we're doing. The next one we're doing after that one is called My Brother's Keeper because we have eight yes. kids. And um, <laughs> and it's just talking about loving your siblings in God's way. But it's mm-hmm. it's just biblical truth. It's just that biblical foundation. Right. So, yes. you know, doing Bible study as a family, all those sorts of things are important. And so, you know, really talking about, you know, training your child up in the way you want them to go, that's what we need to be doing. And I, I can tell you just sort of to close this out, mm-hmm. you know, my parents, I grew up in church. I grew up knowing, you know, the word of the Lord. And then I went to work at Planned Parenthood for eight years. Right. I mean, I was right. not walking with the Lord in those eight years. 
and people ask my parents all the time. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, how did you live through that? How did you do that? I mean, it had to be heartbreaking. My parents were like, yeah, it was heartbreaking, but we continually had faith. Mm. We continually prayed for her and we knew that she would return to the Lord because the Lord had promised us that she would. Oh, wow. Because yes. we had trained her up in the ways of the Lord. Mm. We had trained her to know the Lord. We had trained her. We had, we had rooted her in scripture. So even though she was away from the Lord for eight years, we had every confidence that one day she would return. And my dad said, you know, he told my mom one time, he said, Kathleen, we may not be alive to see it. But we have to believe that in the Lord's goodness and we have to believe in his promises that she will return to him one day. Mm. And literally a month after he told my mom that I left the clinic and came back to the Lord. So we should never give up hope for our children, for those who have mm. grown up in the Lord, yeah. for those who have grown up knowing the Lord. The Lord promises us that they will return to him. And we have to believe that because the Lord does not lie. God mm. does not lie. The scripture does not lie. And so we have to believe in his goodness. We have to believe in his promises. Amen. Mm. Amen. So beautiful. Thank you so much yeah, for you being so much. here and for Appreciate dropping it. so much of a feast for everybody in the pantry fam that is listening. Um, I'll do you the favor of listing all of your links in the show notes. I know there's abbyj.com. There is abortionworkers.com and there's loveline.org is there like a super favorite of yours way that people can connect with you that you love above all the rest I mean if if they go to abbyj.com all of my links are there my podcast is there everything is there so if they want to connect with me that's really the best way that you can get all my socials and everything are there Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much again. And for everyone else, remember the pantrypodcast.com is where you get all of that information. So until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and catch other great shows on the Edify app, Spark Radio, Uplifted, and Eternity Ready Radio.